It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you know what time it is. It is time for Here We Go, the Steelers show, and it's a victory Tuesday as we are getting ready to look at a, another week, but the Steelers are 6-3. and three. I mean, wow, what a difference a year makes. I believe 2-7, uh, and seven, one point last year, Kevin Smith. Yes, sir. You're starting to get pretty comfortable saying it's a victory Tuesday. You've had a lot of practice at it lately. I like that. I like that. I just hope it doesn't follow the pattern because it usually goes two and one, two and one. And so they have the two. I don't want it to be a one, but I digress. This is the show that is hosted by Kevin Smith and myself as we talk about the past Steelers game and we move on to uh, the future as well. So this used to be the pregame show and it's become more of a postgame show, Kevin. I like it. it. gives us an opportunity to to do a little bit of what just happened and a little bit of what's coming. And uh, what I just know happened, there's man. so much there's yeah, so much just, to talk about. I know, right? A big criticism of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, Kevin, is the fact that they've been beating bad teams. But I think it's safe to note and Jeff Hartman brought this up that it used to be and it was kind of the Ben Roethlisberger years when they played a team they were supposed to beat, they struggle. But it seems like they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat now. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm not really going to criticize the Steelers for any victories because, one, it's always hard to win a football game. It's hard to win a football game at any level 
against any level of competition, the, the preparation that has to go into it and the execution. I mean, just so many things have to go right for you to win a football game at any level. And so I will never dismiss the quality of the opponents, but the point you make is excellent because this is a different Steelers team than, than those Steelers teams from five, six years ago that would routinely drop games that they were expected to win. This is a young group. They don't have enough NFL experience to, to have earned any sense of complacency. They haven't accomplished anything as a group. And I think they're hungry. I, I think that the criticism of some of those Ben Roethlisberger-led teams was that they'd had a lot of success and they did tend to overlook opponents. And, and they, I don't think that they prepared for every game equally. I think that some games weighed more in their calculus than others, and it caught up to them at times. And this strikes me as a group that uh, because they're hungry, because they have so many detractors and so many doubters, and so many people telling them they're not a good football team that they've got the, you know, let's prove them wrong attitude. And, and as you and I have talked about before, that's, that's our favorite type of Steeler team is the, is the team that, that is hungry and wants to prove people wrong. All right. They have won six of nine football games. That is 66.7%. And I know if that's a test, that's not good, but if that's baseball, it's phenomenal. So you're winning 67% of your games. You're going into a stretch where you're taking on, you're taking on the state of Ohio the next two weeks. And you have finally found a running game. So you cannot say that this is a horrendous offense because there is a running game attached to this team. Almost 400 yards the last two weeks. This was over, over 200 yards rushing today. And you had two guys in Najee Harris and Jalen Warren that, wow, those guys, they almost both put together 100-yard games on Sunday. So with that being said, Kevin, how much of a change is the running game going to mean towards not just the Steelers as a whole, but to Kenny Pickett? Well, I think Kenny Pickett's always played better when he has an effective running game. I think most quarterbacks are like that. But for him in particular, it means so much to him because, let's face it, the Steelers, under this current coordinator and with this current group of skill players, they've just never been able to really just open it up and, and lean on the passing game when uh, when they need points. I mean, in the last – for in the fourth quarter and in the last couple of minutes of games, yes, Kenny Pickett has shown that he can do it, but this offense hasn't shown that they can do it consistently over a 60 minute contest. So obviously having a running game is, is really beneficial for them. I think that the big thing is they're you know, they're starting to get quality offensive line play inserting Broderick Jones into the starting lineup has been huge for them. Uh, Isaac Samalo now looks like he's comfortable with his teammates and they're getting more creative with the scheme. I mean, for for the the last half of last season and really the first part of this season, it was just a ton of zone concepts and and running the duo play. But now you're seeing the Steelers get you know branch out. They're running some some pin and pull sweeps. They're tossing the football. The outside zone game. Um, they've got they're pulling Broderick Jones, which is awesome to see. I love seeing that big dude get out and pull and get in front of people. 
They're running power. So, I mean, really, man, you're, you're really seeing the Steelers diversify the run game. And they've got two backs who can both be productive. And they found a good rhythm shuffling those guys in and out. So, uh, you know, as the run game goes, so will the Steelers offense. And right now it's going. So I have not looked at the new numbers, but it's very interesting. And I don't know if you had a chance to uh, check this out last week on bad language, but I know that's a a big favorite of yours, but you might have missed last week's. So I'm going to go ahead and give you this stat. The way it stood after last week's game, the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive rushing duo of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren were on par for the exact same numbers to the digit of Eric Pegram and Bam Morris from 1995. That was a Super Bowl year when they played the Dallas Cowboys in Super Bowl 30. And does this kind of dispel, do you think Steeler Nation has finally figured out that you don't need an RB1? You just need a good set of backs. Yeah, you need uh, you need a run game. And how, how you choose to get to that is really subjective. There's an awful lot of ways to get there specifically. What, what, you, what you absolutely need is an offensive line. And if you think back to that 95 team, that was a pretty darn good Steelers offensive line. And what you're seeing now with the Steelers is that the backs are not being contacted at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they've got, they've got some room to run. I mean, Najee Harris for the first two and a half years of his NFL career led the NFL in being contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage. That's not a statistic that you want to lead the league in. And that was of no fault of his own. That was, That was a reflection of the fact that the offensive line couldn't get a push. And they started to really pick it up in the second half last year, and they're really starting to pick it up now. One thing that was really noticeable in the Green Bay game was how frequently they were able to to get up to the linebacker level before being contacted. There was an awful lot of runs there where the defensive line didn't make any contact with Harris or Warren. And that's obviously a great sign. That shows – that uh, the Steelers are, are getting better at covering up their assignments. A more confident line is a more aggressive line, so they're starting to get a push. And, and one of the things I liked as well was there were times, especially in the fourth quarter, when you know I, I think Green Bay probably knew the Steelers were going to run the football, most people did, and they loaded up the box, and, and they had an extra guy there. And now the Steelers were, were going with some heavy sets where they had eight blockers in the formation, but Green Bay was putting nine guys in the box and the Steelers were still running the ball. So when you can run the ball, when the other team has a numbers advantage in the box and everybody in the building seems to know you're going to run it, that's a great sign. It really is a great sign. And it's old school Steelers like, hey, this is what we're going to do to you. And I dare you to stop it. And this time around, it didn't look like they could be stopped. Here's my question to you about Najee Harris. It looks like he is fine with this arrangement, and that's a big thing because we had the discussion about George Pickens um, and the wide receivers, you know, mindset of uh, wanting the ball all the time. It looks like he is just, you know, BFFs with Jalen Warren, and I don't think he cares as long as they're getting it done because 
They're both getting in the end zone. They're both getting touches. They're getting equal touches. Yeah, and it's going to keep him healthier over the course of the season. His rookie year, he got 381 touches. That's unsustainable. You can't stay healthy or fresh. He would have been used up after you know five or six years in the league. Like we've seen so many backs have that happen to them over their careers. So I think he recognizes that one, it keeps him fresher. Um, two, Jalen Warren, it, it's it, it's very difficult to argue against him being in the lineup. I mean, every time he's in there, he produces. Uh, some people think he's the more dynamic of the two backs, but the compliment uh, that, that they provide for each other is awesome. I mean, I said this last week on the show, the Steelers have two different styles of backs, but they don't have to change their scheme. It's not like when Warren comes in, you know, he's only going to run to the edge or they're only going to run these certain number of plays with him. He can run the same stuff that Harris runs, but the change of pace there, the, the suddenness with, with, he hit, with, with which he hits the hole creates a different challenge for the defense. And that's awesome because that doesn't require the offensive line to have to do different things depending on who's in the game. So I think right now the partnership of those two has been a huge benefit for them. And Harris is smart enough to realize that it's beneficial for everybody involved. Let me give you an interesting stat about the Steelers when it comes to rushing the football on 11, 12, 23, and it's this. 205 yards rushing, 36 attempts. That was a 5.7 average. Do you know what the lowest average, there's four guys that touch the balls as rushers. Do you know what the lowest average of any of those guys was? Uh, I, I I can't, it was maybe Calvin Austin on a, on a, on a sweep or something. I don't really remember to be honest. It was actually Kenny Pickett. Okay. Four attempts, 16 yards, 4.0. Calvin Austin had one attempt for six yards. So he was averaging six yards a carry. This is your two feature backs. Najee Harris, 16 carries, 5.1 average. Jalen Warren. 15 carries, 101 yards, 6.7 average. It's just absolutely phenomenal what's going on the last couple of weeks with this running game. Yeah, Warren, and the thing about Warren is, like, does he ever go down on first contact? Does he ever get knocked backwards? He's always falling forward. He always seems to, you know, make yards after that contact. If there's a criticism of Najee Harris, it's that sometimes you'd like to see him be a little more sudden rather than, you know, just, you know, he sets up his cuts a lot. And there's times where he appears to be a little bit indecisive. You'd like him to be a little bit more decisive. Uh, with Warren, it's it's the opposite. If you, if you had a criticism of him every once in a while, you'd like to slow him down a little bit, make him be a little bit more patient. But when you put those two together, it's really a tough combination for a defense because, again, stylistically, they're different, but schematically, they're running the same stuff. Uh, I, I just think that right now, when you when you have that vertical run game going, and then you mix in a little bit of the horizontal stuff, the jet sweeps and the reverses that everybody knows Canada, Matt Canada likes to run, you're really starting to stress defenses now. You're, you're making them play uh, the entire width of the field while at the same time being worried about getting enough guys in the box to defend the vertical run game. And when you get defenses 
that are that worried about stopping the run, it, it obviously sets up some things in the passing game. And the Steelers weren't able to take advantage of that this week against Green Bay. But hopefully as the run game continues to evolve and improve, they'll, that'll free up some downfield shots in the passing game. All right, one more thing about the running game until because we are going to move on to the passing game and then eventually the defense. But Jeff Hartman usually does not like my nicknames, neither does Dave Schofield, but he did like my nickname for for Jalen Warren a few weeks ago, the pinball wizard. And he actually turned that into a shirt. So on the on the post-game show, he asked, hey. We need to have a nickname for this duo, and we can't do Thunder and Lightning because that's been done. So I just came off one just the top of my head, and he's like, all right, that's a shirt. So he likes this already. So I'm going to throw this at you. Bang and burn. <laughs> Bang and burn. Okay. All right. I, yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. They'll bang you, and they'll burn you. You know? They'll just... Yeah. And there's I mean, no dirty connotation to it oh i just people are going to take that uh however they want to take that brian yes control what goes on in people's heads you know so (laughs) there we are we got b and b bang and burn but they're now they're it's too early to uh put them in the same category as some of the other great duos in uh, you know backfields in steeler history i think you know i think that they've got a keep this consistency going for a little bit, but they are on the verge of being a memorable group, right? I mean, the, the offense is not prolific enough for us to say, oh, this is a this is a, a, an all-time Steelers duo. I mean, that, that would be really getting ahead of ourselves, but they've got that potential. And, and the way that, the, that this offense is structured to set up, uh, to, you know, to, to move through the run game. I mean, it, it, this offense obviously evolves through the run game. Uh, and and both guys are young, and both guys are going to be under contract for a little bit. Uh, it it's, they certainly have the possibility of becoming a memorable backfield duo. The narrative ten days ago, right before the Tennessee game, was: Wait, you're going to ruin this guy's career. This guy being Broderick Jones by moving him to right tackle and starting him there. I don't think anybody's saying that right now. Just after two games, I think that. They are really happy with it, especially because the way the uh, the team has responded with the run game. Is there a direct correlation to Broderick Jones' switch to right tackle and the running game? Oh, 100%. The thing, when I was at Steelers training camp in August, the one thing that, I, that, that stood out to me watching the offensive line was that Chuksokor for stylistically seemed to not fit with the others. You had, uh, you know, you had James Daniels at, at right guard, who's a pretty physical player. You had Mason Cole, who's a little bit of a, you know, he, he's a little bit of a technician, but at the same time, uh, you know, he, he can mix it up. Then you had Sam Milo, who's a mauler. You had Dan Moore Jr., who's a physical player. Uh, it just felt like the Steelers wanted to be more physical up front, wanted to be more of a downhill rushing attack, wanted to knock guys off the ball. They spent the first round pick on Jones. They brought in Nate Herbig, who's another big mauler uh, of an offensive lineman. And then I watched Chuksakor for, who's always been better as a technician. He's a position blocker. He's a guy that like beats you with his footwork, not with his brawn. Um, 
He, and, and I just thought to myself, how long before he's the odd man out? All the talk was about Jones versus Moore for the starting left tackle job. But in my mind, it was Jones and Moore in the lineup together make the Steelers more physical up front. And I, and I, and I thought that's what they want to be, man. At the end of the day, that's what they're striving to be. A downhill, a power of running attack that, that uses the run to set up the pass. And so I think inserting Jones into the lineup has has now achieved that end, right? I mean, I, th- I think they're now setting up to be the offense that people envisioned for them, or or that like when Andy Weidel and and Omar Khan and the coaching staff were all in the planning phase last off season. I think this is what they envisioned for the offense, and I think that they're that that putting Jones in the starting lineup is allowing them to get there. Do you think Broderick Jones is now a right tackle and that's it? No, I don't think so for sure. Uh, I don't know where they might go with this all, but I think that he's shown position flexibility and that's a huge uh, asset to, for the, for the offense. Uh, I, yeah, and I don't think that Chuksa Korfor is necessarily like, I don't think we've necessarily seen the end of him. I just think that right now where the Steelers are is the best that they've been up front in terms of the chemistry of the five guys and the five guys they have up front, up front fitting with the, the broader philosophy of the offense, I think it's the best we've seen in the last couple of years. All right, let's take a break. We are going to be back. We're going to talk about Kenny Pickett. We are talking about uh, how he can improve and how he could complement this running game. And then we're going to go on to the defense. Second week in a row, a big loss at inside linebacker for the season. We're going to see what that does to this defense going forward and how much the Pittsburgh Steelers miss a very valuable starter. We'll be back right after this. It is, here we go, it is the Steelers Show on Fans First Sports Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back. It is a Victory Tuesday, and yes, I do love saying that, and I love the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers are now 6-3. and three. Not only were they victorious, but everything that they wanted to happen in the AFC North happened. Now, you could say, well, hey, bad. No, not every team lost. Yeah, no, that's still fine because... You wanted the Baltimore Ravens to lose, and you're fine with the Cleveland Browns winning for two reasons, Kevin. And it's this. One, they beat the Ravens, and now the Ravens have the same amount of losses. They do have one more win, so the Steelers are a half game behind them just because they've got the Ravens have one in hand. And then you have the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Cleveland next week, and they are on a high note right now and you always want to play a team more on a high note than a team coming off another loss is that something that you subscribe to yeah it's interesting uh is it better for the Steelers to play the Browns when they're feeling good about themselves or when they're feeling bad about themselves when they're feeling bad about themselves you get desperate and a desperate team's a dangerous team when you're feeling good about yourselves, you know, you have you have some momentum, but you also could have some complacency creep in. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if there's a benefit to one or the other. But I do know this. If if the Bengals beat the Ravens on Thursday night, then for the next at least 48 hours, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be in first place in the AFC North. And yeah. And anything can happen with those teams. Now, the Bengals went down, too. Yeah. And. Not only is that a good thing that the Bengals lost to the Houston Texans, um, albeit right before the uh, end of regulation, that game did not go into overtime. Thank goodness. They had a chance to win it and they went and won it. But you also realize that your loss to the Houston Texans, you didn't lose to a bad team. No, I think that, it, first of all, what's going on in Houston is remarkable. What a job that they're doing that that staff D'Amico Ryan's and that staff, what a job they're doing because they have one of the least talented rosters in the NFL. And 
they're beating good football teams. And they're not five and four with a bunch of wins over other bottom feeders, man. They're they've beaten Jacksonville, they've beaten Pittsburgh, they've now beaten Cincinnati. I mean, Houston is impressive. What they're doing with CJ Stroud is mind-boggling. I don't know what his stats were on Sunday, but entering the game, he had 14 touchdowns and one interception. And when you think about rookie quarterbacks in the NFL, that's just unheard of. So yeah, hats off to Houston for sure. But you're right, man. It doesn't necessarily reflect as poorly on the Steelers as it seemed a month ago when they got their butts handed to them uh, by Houston or whenever that game was. And the Steelers should feel great about themselves, man. They, they've set themselves up at six and three where they, you know, they got, they got to go to Ohio the next two weeks. And if we're being honest, if they just get a split and they come out of those two games at seven and four, they're still in great shape. So, you know, they, 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 they come off this three game homestand. They just had, Everybody understood, hey, be great to get three, but if you get two out of three, you're in good shape, and and here we are. Absolutely. That is uh, where you're looking at for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It feels really good, especially the way they've been playing. Now, to answer your C.J. Stroud question, eh, he threw his second interception of the season, second interception of his NFL career. So He's a bum. Yeah, I mean (laughs) – Only one touchdown, one interception. He only completed 23 passes for 356 yards. Ah, what are you going to do? Yeah. So 15 and two for the, for the young man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy is absolutely uh, cleaning up and boy, did they have a smart draft? Uh, A lot of people said, what are you doing? Making that trade, but they get Will Anderson too. Uh, What a lot of people thought was a generational player at uh coming out of alabama on the defensive side of the ball and it looks like uh you have a situation where right now the number one quarterback taking the draft is not as good as the number two quarterback taking the draft it almost looks like carolina guessed wrong but we're not here to talk about that but i'll let you just quip on that real quick well, to make it even worse, Carolina gave up their number one pick in the 2024 draft. And if if form holds, that could turn out to be the, the top pick overall. So not only did they perhaps miss on the best quarterback in the draft, but they gave up the potential number one pick in the 2024 draft to, to do it. So uh, that's a little salt in the wound for the Panthers, potentially. Let's talk about the more important quarterback to Steelers Nation. He wears number eight. His name is Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Shane Pickett. We haven't been giving him the middle name treatment. We Maybe we do to uh, get the magic back. But uh, KSP is on the naughty list, getting ready for the holiday season here, and it's with the fans. And when you look at it, should he be? Uh, you know, I, I have a hard time criticizing guys when when you win football games. This Kenny Pickett, he missed a few throws, uh, but he did largely what the Steelers asked him to do. Ask yourself this: when you looked at when you looked at the game on Sunday against Green Bay, what 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 mistakes did Kenny Pickett make? What what significant mistakes did he make? Did he he missed a receiver here and there? Sure, but what significant mistakes did he make? Did he turn the ball over? No. 
right? He hasn't thrown an interception now in about 130 some passes, which is the longest streak in the NFL right now. What's that? Week four, October 1st. That's when it was October. Okay. So he hasn't thrown an interception in, in well over a month. Uh, he, the game plan was exceptionally conservative against green Bay. My gosh, they treated the middle of the field. Like it was loaded up with landmines or something like they wouldn't throw the ball in the middle of the field. You're so you're, you're just asking him to push the ball out to the flat or throw some sideline vertical routes to George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. The one, the one ball that they did push deep down the field, uh, Johnson should have caught. It was a ball that was underthrown against man coverage, and he came back to it and had both hands on it, and he, and he should have caught the ball. Honestly, if you if you're if you're criticizing Kenny Pickett because of his stats, okay, fine. He had 123 passing yards. That's terrible. But if you're criticizing him simply because, uh, you know, like. He didn't execute the offense properly. I think that that's a false criticism. I mean, it just, he wasn't asked to do much. And on a day when the Steelers ran for 200 plus yards, they asked Kenny Pickett to manage the football game. And when you manage the football game, your number one responsibility is don't turn the ball over. Don't make significant mistakes. And he didn't do those things. So granted, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't, you know, for Steelers fans who want, him to throw for 350 yards you're not going to get that man you're not going to get it that's not what this offense is and maybe at the end of the day that's not going to be good enough to beat the Kansas cities and uh and the elite teams in the league but for who the Steelers are right now the formula is working and the offense is improving and again man they're not putting up great numbers but they're getting W's and I'd rather have the W's over the number any day I would too, but it seems like uh, a lot of people, if my gosh, if you would have been on the post game show, you would have noticed that the, the 500 plus a majority of them were acting like this was a loss because of the quarterback play. And it's just really uh, mind numbing to me. People are wanting a new quarterback. The whole, he's not the guy thing is coming up more and more. Do you think that this, uh, they the running game right now is something that the the Steelers could go ahead and you know maybe take the onus off of Kenny Pickett a little bit more and he might settle in like he did at the end of last season do you think that is coming up I mean I I think you're seeing some of that the obviously the run game has carried the team to victory the last couple of weeks Pickett carries him to victory in fourth quarters when they need him to. He makes plays when they need him to make plays. I I just don't have I, – I, I don't feel as though some of the criticism is uh, relevant to what's happening on the field. Again, man, when you look at the scheme of the passing game, how, how often do they attack down the middle of the field? They're, that's a dangerous place to throw the football because that's where a lot of turnovers occur. And obviously Matt Canada in close games, when the Steelers are running the ball, well, he's not taking chances in the passing game at all. But when, you know, think about, think about this before the Steelers had to punt the ball back to green Bay with about a minute left, they went for it uh, on a third and 10. And they, and I think there was a minute 52 left on the clock. Green Bay was out of timeouts. And the Steelers had a decision to make. They could hand the ball off, probably get stopped short of the first down, run the clock down, and then punt the ball back. Or they could get aggressive. They got aggressive in that situation, and they let 
Pickett attack the middle of the field, and he wound up hitting George Pickens for what would have been about a 25-yard gain, 30-yard gain, and would have iced the ball game. But it got called back because they they banged Calvin Austin on an offensive pass interference call, which I thought was kind of bogus, to be quite honest. But the point is, they they in that moment, they let Pickett operate in the middle of the field. He, get, he made a great throw, came through, et cetera. I, I just I don't know how much of how long a leash they're giving him right now. Maybe they're not giving them the long leash because they don't trust him with it. Maybe they're not giving him the long leash because the Steelers are constantly in these tight ball games and they're being conservative and essentially asking the offense, don't lose it for us. But for me, I'm 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 still willing to give Kenny Pickett more opportunities before I make a decision on on whether or not he's the future uh, of the franchise. And honestly, man, he keeps winning football games. He keeps winning football games. He now has a winning record after the last two weeks. He hasn't thrown an interception in five weeks. I think a big thing for Kenny Pickett could be if we see Pat Fryermuth again this season. I think that makes a huge difference for Kenny Pickett and the offense because as much as we really love Connor Hayward and as much as we adore the uh, potential of Mountain Washington, they, they're not either trusting them to throw to them that much or they're not getting open like Pat Fryermuth would. What is it? Well, Fryermuth is that down-the-seam down option that Pickett has been able to develop some chemistry with, and he's missing that. And that, that may be a big reason why you didn't see many throws in the middle of the field. This week, there weren't many throws in the middle of the field against Tennessee the previous week. They don't have that guy right now in the offense uh, who's who's able to really you know make a living getting behind the linebackers or or operating in that that sort of dead zone in between the backers and the safeties. I mean Washington's you, yeah you think oh he's six seven but his his route recognition probably isn't there yet. Hayward's only about six foot one if if that uh, and that's you know tough to locate him deep down the seams. And they don't really have a, a receiver other than Allen Robinson, who's made a living in there either. And for whatever reason, he really wasn't a part of the game plan on Sunday against Green Bay. So again, hard to hard to criticize a quarterback uh, for for not executing plays that, that really aren't being called because one of his best weapons is not in the lineup. Let me ask you this one more question about the receivers. I don't think the receivers were brilliant today. But I don't think George, I thought George Pickens played a good football game. But there's something interesting, and I think this was a move that a lot of people did not realize that happened unless you're in the stadium. I got a call from inside the stadium and said, Hey, you know that they announced Allen Robinson as a starter on offense. Hey, we're coming out of the tunnel, and George Pickens did not come out of the tunnel as a starter. However, George Pickens caught the first pass of the game. And was in there. So do you think that was to protect him from potential booze? Yeah, it could have been. I mean, I, they, they announced both Warren and Harris as starters. It's it's possible they did that. Uh, maybe they did it because they didn't want him to get booed and then for it to get into his head and the situation to escalate. Maybe, maybe they just decided that uh, it's time to essentially uh, – give both backs, you know, kind of top billing. So I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, 
read too much into that. I think obviously they, they did it for a specific reason, but that reason was probably unique to this week. And I don't really see it as an issue going forward. Cause you don't have to announce three wide receivers and they usually only announce one running back cause they don't play a traditional fullback. That's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. I, uh, I did not think about that. Well, let's talk about the defense. This was not a fantastic game by the defense, but when they needed a hold, they held. They did. The, it was deja vu all over again. They got an interception in the end zone on the final play again this week against the Tennessee Titans and now the Green Bay Packers. You're getting some help in the end zone. There was some. There was some victimization. There were, but as far as everything else goes. It didn't seem like Green Bay was running wild on them, but they they did get a lot of yardage running the ball. Jordan Love did a whole lot more than you thought they would, but the Steelers' defense has a lot of guys missing, and they lost another one in Quan Alexander today. But is the bottom line the biggest problem with this offense, this defense, the fact that Minka Fitzpatrick is not there because it seems like they're so much more confused without Minka. Yeah, I think that's the biggest problem. I mean, they had some some issues on the back end. There was a couple uh, with a you know Green Bay second touchdown came on a third and sixteen where they just ran a corner route and the the receiver got got over top of Keanu Neal. You never want to get never want to let a receiver run by on third and sixteen. It looked like Neal was squatting at the sticks, expecting some kind of a a route that ran right to the first down marker and. And Green Bay instead went over the top on him. There was a couple other instances. Uh, Monte Kazee and uh, let a receiver get behind him on a deep ball. Um, I did. I wonder how much of that was Mink. I mean, obviously a lot of it was Minka Fitzpatrick, but also when you know, here's Cole Holcomb, your best coverage linebacker. He's out. And then Quan Alexander, your next best coverage linebacker. He's out. Now the Steelers have to play with Landon Roberts and Mark Robinson at linebacker and. Those guys are more downhill thumpers, and that, and they're also missing Minka Fitzpatrick. How many reps in practice do you think the combination of Keanu Neal, uh, Demonte Kazee, Landon Roberts, and Mark Robinson took together, uh, and how much communication have those guys had an opportunity to really develop in practice? I, I think the answer is very little, and and I think it showed in the game. So hopefully, a, a week full of practice with whomever is going to be the combination that they have back there will help. But it's interesting. Mika had an impact on that game, even though he didn't play. Did you, did you read about the final play? I don't know if you had a chance to read. No, I I did not. So evidently on, you know, the Steelers called a timeout right before the the last play of the game. Green Bay's got the ball on the Pittsburgh 16 with three seconds left. And the Steelers wind up calling a timeout. So evidently they called that timeout because as the play was sent onto the field, the coverage was sent onto the field. Mega Fitzpatrick came running over to, to uh, Terrell Austin and urged him to change the call. The Steelers decided to take a timeout to talk about it. Evidently, Austin had uh, uh, had called for some, a man under scheme with with three safeties deep, and Fitzpatrick reminded him of the Baltimore game from a couple years ago. Remember the Baltimore game a couple years ago where Fitzpatrick breaks up a pass in the end zone on the very last play of the game. Willie Sneed. There you go. Exactly. And he reminded Austin of the defense the Steelers played on that particular play 
which was essentially the picket fence defense where you, you rush four and you put seven guys. You don't, you don't even cover the receivers at the line of scrimmage. You just put seven guys across the goal line and essentially create the picket fence. And, and Austin changed the call on Fitzpatrick's urging, and that's what the Steelers went with. And, of course, because he gets the pick. So Minkin makes an impact whether he's on the field or not. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Here's the question that I'm looking at. How much trouble are they in, the Pittsburgh Steelers, at inside linebacker? And I think I do have a solution for them. Well, they're going to have to sign somebody, I believe, because I don't know if they're – I mean, I think that obviously in the short term, they're going to have to go with Roberts and and Robinson, and they're going to have to get creative with their three safety package as long as Fitzpatrick is back, which he should be shortly. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know who the answer is. I mean, you got an idea because obviously now you got two run thumpers and nobody who excels in coverage at linebacker. I'm thinking right now Nick Kwiatkowski. Might be a yeah. guy that they might. He's a still. He's a free agent. He has some experience with that team in preseason. Uh, there's not not a Kyle Van Noy out there right now. No, Kwiatkowski jumped out at me when I was at training camp. I thought he was one of the Steelers who popped that day. So he, yeah, I, I think that that's an option. I I actually think that's that's a good one too. He was hurt, but did come back in preseason. So. I would love to see them give uh, a local boy a call in Nick Um, As far as everything else goes, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were a bend but not break defense again this week. But a lot of people have said, you know, they cannot sustain this about against high-powered teams. Are they more in trouble when they're facing Cleveland and Cincinnati in the next couple of weeks? It seems that way. Obviously, they've... They've struggled with high-powered offenses. They've struggled to cover elite receivers. It'll be interesting to see how they compensate. But at the same time, these are division games. And these guys know each other so well. And so it'll, you know, the battle will be over the details. Who who can make adjustments? Who can who can do so who can take some of the things that they put on film in previous games and create counters and alternatives and tweaks to those schemes because again man they they know each other inside out so the team that probably schemes it up the best and finds a way to exploit the weaknesses in the opponent is going to win so i i put really the next two weeks on the coaching staff as much as anything all right so if you are if you split the next two games and you end up looking at a record of seven and four going to the home stretch with six more games to go. Is that an ideal situation for this team? Yes, that's a win, man. Because because the third the game after this is Arizona, which is a very winnable game. So now you get now you you, you split in Ohio and you, you get that Arizona game, you're eight and four and you're in great shape. Eight and four. If you would if you had told people that the Steelers, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself, three weeks ahead of myself, but if you told people heading into the season that the Steelers are going to be eight and four after 12 games, I think you would have gotten a lot of raised eyebrows. And and so they get a split in Ohio and they're setting themselves up to, to be in that position. And then Kevin, they are looking at the next three games after that two at home. And then the third one on the road, but besides Arizona four days later on Thursday night football, they have the anemic Patriots 
really, it's weird to say they're one of the worst teams in the league, but they're the worst team in the conference right now. And then they play the Indianapolis Colts, who aren't really scaring too many people either. So with that being said, you have, and the Colts were anemic against in Frankfurt, Germany, against those Patriots. They only put up 10 against yeah. the Patriots. It was a 10 to 6 ball game. So when you look at that, the Steelers have the potential if they can they can be four when four out of their next five yeah. going into that tough last stretch of the season. Yeah, getting one of the next two is huge. Absolutely huge for them. Well, that's what we're going to hope for. It's time to get on out of here. Um, there's so many questions that are going to be answered by Mike Tomlin this week, by the Steelers in practice, and mostly they're going to be answered when the Steelers take on the Cleveland Browns next week in Cleveland. That is going to be a heck of a contest. I cannot wait for that. So we will have everything right here on the Steel Curtain Network, part of Fans First Sports Network. But it's time for that beautiful time of the week. We only have time for one, and we're going to do due to the week. And I agree with Kevin on his pick this week. Yeah, man, uh, a guy we haven't talked about at all, but uh, Patrick Peterson, what an impact he had on the game. It started with the blocked extra point, which kept Green Bay from just needing a field goal to tie the game at the end. Instead, they needed a touchdown, and that made that made a ton of difference. And then, of course, the, the pass breakup in the end zone on Green Bay's second-to-last drive as they're moving down the field uh, deflects a pass in the end zone that winds up being picked off by Keanu Neal with about three minutes left. And, uh, and obviously, you know, set, set the Steelers up to be in position to almost run out the clock there. So uh, just a couple great veteran moves. Both of those were, you know, the first one is just effort. And the second one was, was great technique, man. His head and hands turned just as the receivers head and hands went. It's exactly like a coach it up. So uh Congrats to Patrick Peterson for having an impactful game against Green Bay. Well, let's talk about that because it does a lot more than what you think it does. Because first of all, the Steelers have had a lot of situations. I could bring up the Baltimore game as one. I could also bring up last week's game against Tennessee and this week's game where they had four-point leads or a five-point lead where a field goal wasn't good enough. And if a field goal was good enough, they would have all been overtime games or a loss. So with that, that ex blocking that extra point was vintage Patrick Peterson from, from his young days in Arizona, but it was also so pivotal to this game. If he just breaks up that pass in the end zone and he doesn't tip it towards Keanu Neal, well, they get a field goal there most likely. Unless unless you feel like they're going to be going for it, but you could take a field goal and see if you could live another day. And if that happens, you you might lose that game by a field goal. Yep. So there's so many things to talk about that Patrick Peterson, a lot of people have been down on Patrick Peterson. I think it has been a brilliant signing just for his brain, just for his leadership, but his play on the field, he keeps getting stuff done here and there. I think he has been more of a solution than a problem. 
Oh, 100%. I, you know, I, I think you can only be down on him if you expect him to be 2017 Patrick Peterson. But the player you're getting uh, I, has been an asset significantly for the Steelers, no doubt. All right, Kevin. We went long today, but it was worth it. Um, when you listen to Kevin Smith talk, it's like listening to a coach talk. Whoa, wow, he is a coach. And uh, so it is great. It's another clinic this week on Here We Go, the Steelers show. I might change it to the clinic. We might just call this the clinic instead of here we go, because I, I I love what Kevin Smith does. Thanks for all you do, buddy. Absolutely. And if Brian, if you don't mind, I'm going to plug something real quick. Uh, yeah. Plug away. Yeah. So this week I'm going to do my first video breakdown, which I'm really, I'm really excited about. Um, you know, I have the podcast, the call sheet, and we're going to do the call sheet video breakdown. And that's going to be about a, you know, 12 to 15 minute, just video uh, presentation on our FFSN YouTube channel, which will break down the Steelers run game and the win over Green Bay. So I'm really excited to jump into that. Definitely check that out on the NFL affiliate here at Fans First Sports Network. You could also check it out uh, anywhere you download your favorite podcast. So make sure you do that. Uh, you'll be able to see that on YouTube as well. So that'll be cool stuff to see. I am excited for it, Kevin. I am going to mark that on my calendar. Um, like I said, when Kevin Smith talks, I'm listening. I am blessed to have had done this show since this is our fourth season together. I can't believe, uh, you know, how long we have been doing this together. And man, I, uh, I cherish these, uh, nights doing this show. It is a lot of fun. So, uh, again, for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This is the fans for sports network. This is the steel curtain network. And we ask you to do this. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for those hypocycloid Steeler fans. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.